0: Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. Uh, as I speak, it is Wednesday, but when you hear this, it will be Saturday or Sunday or Monday. It's bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky show. And I'm happy to say in the studio with me uh, is perhaps the next governor of West Virginia. Stephen Smith is in the studio. He's in town on a fundraising mission. And uh, we dragooned him into the uh, into the studio to come talk about uh, democratic politics, poli- uh, progressive politics in West Virginia. Stephen Smith, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. All right. And uh, the reason why West Virginia is on my mind, uh, Stephen, is that uh, I subscribe to the notion that West Virginia should be a good democratic state. uh, Yet in uh, election after election, uh, it either elects Republicans on the local level or uh, supports uh, Republicans on the national level. Uh, And uh, you're trying to buck that trend. Although that trend, I I think about it, the, the current governor, Jim Justice, who converted from Democrat to Republican. We'll talk about him uh, uh, at, at greater length in a little while. But uh, I talk about what the perception that outsiders have of West Virginia politics as opposed to what, in your humble opinion, West Virginia politics really are.
1: Yeah, like a lot of places, outsiders get West Virginia exactly wrong. Uh, you said... Uh, you expect West Virginia to be a good democratic state. In order for that to happen, Democrats have to treat the people right, and that hasn't been happening. What do you mean by that? Um, so uh, there's a perception that uh, West Virginia is Trump country. right? Mm-hmm. That's what you do to a place when you don't Uh, show any curiosity towards it. You tag it with a name. You say these uh, low-income people, the working-class people of West Virginia, they're they're our problem. Not the people who are getting rich off of us, but those poor people in West Virginia are our problem. And it couldn't be further from the truth that West Virginia hasn't gotten more conservative. We've gotten mad, and rightly so. Uh, Both parties have abandoned the people of our state over the last two or three generations, and we're out to change it. And just to correct one thing you said before, we're actually uh, here raising money, but we're also here building power. That one of the things that needs to happen all across the country Mm -hmm. is poor and working people from all different parts of the country sticking up for each other. So in West Virginia, we're building a proudly multiracial coalition, uh, and we want to stand with people in other parts of the country. So when we're outside of the state on those rare occasions, we do ask for people who want to contribute funds, but we also meet with the West Virginians who used to live in West Virginia and have moved away, but still want to give back. And we also meet with people who are fighting similar fights um, and That's how we get the America we want, is not by fighting each other, rural, urban, black, white, uh, Christian, Muslim, It's by sticking up for one another. So that's what
0: we're doing here. uh, You said something very interesting. Uh, West Virginians uh, are not Republican. Uh, They're uh, mad. Uh, I've written that down. I want to get back to that. But uh, let's uh, take a moment to introduce yourself uh, to our listeners. Uh, uh, Are you from West Virginia
1: originally, Stephen? Sure. I was born in Charleston, West Virginia. Uh, My family moved to Texas when I was a kid. I graduated from Harvard, uh, came to Chicago, was here for better part of 10 years, met my wife here. And then we moved back home about seven years ago. And for the last seven years, I ran a statewide citizens organization that basically did two things. We worked with local communities to recruit and train and fund them to take on community gardens, small businesses, uh, solving local problems, after school programs, and so forth. We uh, worked with more than 300 of those rural teams in six years. And then the second main thing we did was pass uh, people-sponsored policy, so we won more than 25 policy victories, everything from raising the minimum wage to expanding uh, school breakfast programs by 5 million meals a year in West Virginia. Then when the teacher strike uh, came along, we were one of the first groups to help pitch in by putting together... Uh, with other organizations and activists, a $332,000 strike fund, which was just raised by average citizens all over the world to support the teachers and school service personnel. And that's, uh, that's the main idea of the campaign, is what would it look like if the resourcefulness and courage and compassion that already is governing our neighborhoods and schools and communities in places like West Virginia were the same values governing the statehouse? Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Now let's, uh, by the way, this is your first run for office? It is. First run for office is running for governor. It's no uh, easy task that you've set for yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, in West Virginia, what we're up against is we need a people's government. And I've spent the last 20 years of my life standing on the side of poor and working people and alongside poor and working people. And what we hear in West Virginia is that folks there are tired of a savior. They're tired of a good old boy who sa- comes in and says he's going to solve everything by himself. And so if we're going to build a people's movement, then having someone at the top of the ticket uh, who doesn't think uh, he's the answer. um, That's how we actually win. And so we'll get back to that, but we're recruiting candidates up and down the ballot.
0: All right. Now uh, the current uh, governor is a gentleman named Jim Justice, and uh, he was elected for the first time. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I want to say 2016. That's right. Uh, And he was a Democrat when he ran. It's just interesting. And he was a Democrat when he ran. And uh, uh, soon thereafter, after getting elected, he flipped the Republicans because he fell under the allure of Donald John Trump. Uh, Am I more or less accurate in my uh, memory there?
1: Yeah, I mean, something we know in West Virginia, and I think places around the country are uh, learning for themselves, is that politics isn't left versus right, it's not Democrat versus Republican it's the good old boys versus everybody else. Mm -hmm. And Jim Justice was always a good old boy. Uh, We've got lots of good old boys in West Virginia who have gotten very good at making government work for them and only them. Uh, So uh, yes, he was technically a Republican most of his life. He was technically a Democrat when he ran for governor and he was uh, technically a Republican since. But Uh, It's more like he has a dollar sign after his name than an L or an R or
0: D or whatever. And what is it about Donald Trump and his rhetoric uh, that people, uh, voters in West Virginia in particular, uh, find appealing that would lead someone like a Jim Justice to flip, uh, to become a Republican?
1: You'd have to ask Justice. I mean, I think he sees somebody who, uh, like him, is out for himself. And uh, that's, uh, that's a... That's attractive to a certain class of people who think politics is their playground and it's their sport, Um, but uh, for the rest of us, politics is where we decide who gets to eat and whether there's potholes on the road and whether uh, an aunt or a cousin can get uh, drug treatment. Mm -hmm.
0: Stephen Smith's five-year-old son is in the studio. So we're not alone in the studio. If you hear a little muttering in the background, it's just an innocent five-year-old uh, playing and keeping himself uh, busy while the grown-ups talk, grown-up talk. Uh, Stephen Smith, West Virginia uh, candidate for governor. And uh, we were talking about Jim Justice, who, who is the current governor. He'll be running against him. Uh, he's a Republican now. He had been a Democrat. Uh, all right, I was asking you particular, specifically about Donald Trump's appeal in West Virginia. Uh, Talk about that. Does Donald Trump, first of all, have a strong appeal in West Virginia? And what is the basis of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, so more people stayed home in West Virginia in 2016 than voted for the president. So this story of uh, Trump's capture of the state is an oversold uh, story that people not from West Virginia like to tell because it makes them feel like they're superior to us. And the truth is uh, Trump's approval rating is dipping uh, and the attraction of someone like Justice to a guy like Trump is that they're both from the same class trying to do the same thing and for them, politics is sport. It's red team versus blue team. It's uh, them getting a chance to enrich themselves while the rest of us, we think that politics is a place where we get to figure out how everybody can eat and how the people who need treatment desperately can get it in minutes instead of having to wait months often dying waiting for treatment and uh, that's the fight we're having in West Virginia it's not red team versus blue team it's the people of the state versus the good old boy class which has run things for 156 years
0: and run them into the ground when you talked about West Virginians being mad uh, explain that a little bit and talk about what they're upset about I guess yeah, I would invite people to come to West
1: Virginia. There's So there's two West Virginias. There's the one that everybody knows, right, that uh, we have historically high levels of suicide, mental illness, um, w- low workforce participation. The drug overdose rate in West Virginia is one and a half times higher than the next highest state in terms of the people we're losing, friends and family, to drugs. And uh, that's the West Virginia you hear about, but that's the West Virginia that's been given to us by the people in charge uh, for generations, Uh, the people who have been keeping their foot on our necks since the mine wars. Right. Um, The other West Virginia is a place where because that government has failed us so bad, people in West Virginia, we spend more time with our neighbors than any other place in the country. We're near the top of the list in charitable giving, in military service, volunteer service, the time we spend with our neighbors, that we're the place you go if you care about looking out for each other, uh, and that that's already happening in our neighborhoods. And that's the energy that won the teachers and school service personnel strike. And Uh, set it off all across the country is this feeling that we've had to govern ourselves our entire history why don't we just get these guys out of office once and for all?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've alluded now twice to the school teacher strike. Let's take a little deep dive into that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was uh, 2018. I want to say I remember it very well. uh, As far as people in Chicago or outside of West Virginia, it just sort of came out of nowhere. All of a sudden uh, teachers in a quote unquote red state were on strike. Talk about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it didn't surprise us. Mm -hmm. right? In West Virginia, we're the kind of place where you stick up for your neighbor, where if someone near you is being hurt you're the first one to show up and that's what the teacher strike was it bubbled up from the from the ground up teachers and school service personnel saying you know we can't raise families on this wage we can't raise families on this terrible health insurance plan and we've got to stick up for ourselves so that we can stick up for our kids and it was powerful man all 55 counties walked out in solidarity and they did so wearing these uh, red bandanas out of their necks as around their necks as a direct uh, callback and as a way to honor uh, mine workers a hundred years earlier who were fighting the same
0: kinds of fights against the same kind of corrupt politicians and uh, essentially the powers that be in the state of west virginia Uh, uh, eventually settled with the teachers, correct? Did they get the contract?
1: Yes, Uh, strikes work right? That that when people take mass courageous political action they change what's possible. So a teacher raise that wasn't even on the table at the beginning of the session last year ended up being a win for the teachers and school service personnel, 5% raise. They came back this year and uh, the legislature knew they had to promise a raise and a solve to the health insurance problem, but then they didn't deliver and not only did they not deliver, they put forward a bill that would have instituted charter schools in the state and so this time Uh, you know, the Republican leadership thought that they had the teachers and school service personnel cornered. They said, well, they'll never strike because the deal they offered was we'll give you the raise if you accept charter schools and these other, uh, uh, you know, policy ideas that would have undercut uh, teachers in other ways and undercut students in other ways. And the teachers said, no, we're not. Uh, we're not going to cut a deal even though it means I get a raise. I'm not going to cut a deal if it hurts my own students. And they walked out again and they won again. And uh, the governor's still trying to fight this fight. They're back in a special session over the next few days. But uh, it showed that uh, when you know, working people come together, it's not just about the fight for ourselves, It's a fight for our schools, it's a fight for our kids. And they put uh, their own selves on the line even though it meant losing
0: a pay raise. And what was the general reaction of uh, you know most of the voters in West Virginia to this strike were they supportive of the teachers or were they supportive of the powers that be in West Virginia?
1: No, the the people of West Virginia lined up in droves behind the teachers and school service personnel. And uh, one of the one piece of evidence is that we were able to raise a handful of us got together a couple of days into the strike when it looked like it might last a while and we said we need to be able to raise a strike fund to help support the teachers and school service personnel, especially part-time workers Mm -hmm. who are actually losing pay. And we raised $332,000 in mostly tiny donations uh, from a GoFundMe site, because the people of West Virginia said, I'm gonna pitch in.
0: Was there an attempt by uh, the opponents of this strike to vilify the teachers union or the teachers to vilify the teachers?
1: Yeah, they tried and they failed. Uh, You know, the people of our state are used to relying on teachers and schools as one of the last institutions left. Uh, that's taking care of our children. And so when our teachers and school service personnel
0: walked out, we were right there with them. Uh, one of the mo- I'm going to go through some of the more prominent members, uh, po- prominent uh, politicians from West Virginia. Get your thoughts of them. Uh, perhaps the most prominent is the senator, Joe Manchin. Uh, and uh, what's your relationship or connection uh, with Joe Manchin? We have a complicated relationship. Um,
1: our or, The organization I used to run worked very closely with the senator uh, when uh, you'll remember perhaps that he was a key deciding vote in protecting the Affordable Care Act. And we worked with him, you know, very closely on town halls around the state. The Affordable Care Act is not uh, perfect by any means. We need single payer. But it was an opportunity to protect health care for 180,000 West Virginians. And we worked with him very closely to make the public case to keep the Affordable Care Act, to not cut health care for those folks. But we disagree on most things. You know, he was one of the few, uh, I think he was the only Democratic senator not to sign on to the recent LGBTQ uh, rights bill. He was the only Democratic senator who voted
0: in favor of Kavanaugh that, um, you know, there's there's a lot we disagree Did on. Did he vote for the tax uh, cut? I can't remember. I just can't remember. I remember. I've, you know, at the time, Stephen, I was like, obsessively following uh, these key votes, and you would always be like, there were the two uh, Republican uh, senators, uh, Susan Collins mm-hmm. and Markowski, and then there was Manchin, uh, who was like a swing Democratic vote. Uh, I just can't remember. Do you remember if he voted yeah, for? Yeah, I, I think there are versions he voted for,
1: mm-hmm. um, and the versions he voted against is my recollection. Uh, but you know that's the uh that's what we're up against in west virginia is uh there's a way of doing politics that says uh i've got to you know get my donors and make them happy first mm-hmm. and then uh, see what happens for the rest of the people of the state and that's what we need to flip
0: um, all right now you're running unopposed in the Democratic primary which will be in May and of course then that leads to the showdown in November the general election and presumably you'll we'll be facing the incumbent governor Jim Justice presuming he wins the Republican primary uh, how important will Joe Manchin's endorsement be for you
1: um, We don't think it's crucial uh, that that part of what we're doing is uh, and the only way, frankly, for a campaign like ours to win anywhere is to build our own independent power. And then we can go to the, uh, you know, the Democratic politicians and others in the political establishment and we hope that they come on board eventually. But what needs to happen in West Virginia and around the country is the building of real independent political infrastructure. So here's what that looks like in West Virginia. And we think this is the most important thing that's happening in our campaign is we're using the spotlight and the attention of a gubernatorial race to build a lasting movement infrastructure in the state. And so what that means is in each one of the 55 counties of West Virginia, Mm -hmm. we have recruited and trained county captains, over 160 of those captains in place now, organizing their own town halls and kickoffs and voter registration drives and so on and so forth. Then we've got constituency captains, so veterans organizing veterans, students organizing students. There's 37 of those teams because if you're a senior citizen or a teacher or um, if you're a person in recovery especially, you have no real political power, no independent political power. And so let's use this opportunity of the 2020 election to build these teams. And we've recruited and trained over 120 constituency captains across these teams. And then finally, we're getting people to run with us. We're up to 59 candidates in a candidate pipeline, and we're recruiting more each week, running up and down the ballot. Uh, all of whom are rejecting corporate PAC donations, all of whom are pledging to never cross a picket line, all of whom are making real pledges to be in uh, constant relationship with their constituents. And if we do all of that, what we're able to do is change what politics is mm-hmm. that they're expecting us to fight uh, TV ad versus TV ad, mailer versus mailer. And we're raising, A lot of money and we're going to do TV ads and mailers. But what we can also do if we change what politics is, is we can make it so that every single voter in West Virginia that we need in November of 2020 will have heard about the campaign one on one from someone they care about Mm -hmm. by the time the election rolls around. And that's a fundamentally
0: different way of doing politics. Yeah, Uh, You know, there's you you were getting at the sort of uh, the apathy Uh, of voters in West Virginia, which sounds very similar to what I deal with all the time here in Chicago and Illinois. I believe you said something like uh, less than a majority of the people voted in the last did you say the last uh, presidential yeah, election? More people stayed home than more, voted for the president. More people stayed home than voted for the president. Wow. Okay. Uh, and uh, there's this conflict uh, in the Democratic Party. Let's address this. Where uh, on one hand, people aren't turning out to vote. And on the other hand, so many of the strategists and the people who run the Democratic Party are saying, don't worry about the people who don't vote. Let's concentrate on the people who do vote. And then that forces the conversation uh, to the right for uh, on these social issues like you talked about. We need single payer. Uh, Uh, Democrats are half the time Democratic strategists are telling Democratic voters, don't ask for single-payer because you'll alienate swing voters uh, in suburban West Virginia if you ask for single-payer. So don't ask for what you want or need. Uh, Don't ask for college aid, more expanded college aid. Uh, That seems to be such the the dialogue, the debate in the Democrat. How do you stand on all that? Yeah, that strategy
1: is dead wrong. I mean, it's just dead wrong. That uh, we want a, a government of the people, so we have to go to the people. It's our job as people seeking public office to find people and to woo them, not the other way around. This this national uh, way of looking things, this uh, you know, Democratic Party elite way of looking things that says that the voters are dumb or we shouldn't talk to one group or we should only talk to this group is how we got into this mess by having a government that wasn't interested in really representing the people of our states and of our country. And... The opposite is far more rewarding. Uh, It's also more effective. It's more strategic. That There's way more people sitting at home wishing that politics would do something real in their lives Mm -hmm. than there are people who are uh, sitting on the edge of left versus right, Democrat versus Republican, uh, moderates saying, oh, I'm not sure which way I'll go this time. We're looking for and we want a government where the people who are closest to pain are also the ones closest to power. Mm -hmm. And that means we've got to start with building inside uh, communities of people who are in recovery, of people who are in food pantries, of people who are working two, three, four jobs just to get by. That's the government we want, and if we want it, we've got to go out and listen. I actually don't think voters are apathetic. I think they're disgusted, and I think they're right to be disgusted because government hasn't done much for the people of West Virginia in a very long time. It's rational to have given up on government in West Virginia because it gave up on you. The opportunity, though, is what we're saying is don't trust us, build it with us. Let's do this together.
0: I guess a better word would be alienated than apathetic. Uh, But either way, uh, they didn't come out to vote. I'm just looking at you and listening to you and thinking about your background. I can almost hear the attack ads uh, that Jim Justice and Donald Trump. And I I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Trump comes to West Virginia Uh to blast you personally to defend uh, his good friend, Jim Justice. Uh, So uh, what do you anticipate in terms of uh, the attack ads and how are you going to deal with it? So uh,
1: when your project is to go after the people who own everything uh, and to ask that they finally pay their fair share, the attack ads aren't rooted in truth. right? So the attack ads we expect are the most vicious things you could imagine. Um, and that's what we're prepared for. And we see that as a sign that we're doing something right and that the way you defeat attack ads isn't by coming up with some clever slogan or by trying to hide who you are. The way you conquer those attack ads is by running on what you're for. And too many people in both parties have forgotten that that's what politics is. It's the place where we go to make things happen for real people. And. If we, when we, put together the kind of platform and plan this November, which we will ratify together, all those county teams and constituency teams working together to ratify that plan, and we've got a year to not just pitch it to West Virginians but invite them into it, and we're offering something real. And then you add to that the fact that voters are gonna hear about this thing not from some slick TV ad but because the person that they're in N.A. with you know, talk to them after the meeting and said, Hey, we've been spent this last two and two years building a people in recovery team in West Virginia. We've recruited some of our own people to run for office. If I give you a ride to the polls next week, will you come out? Mm-hmm. That's a fundamentally different ask than seeing some uh, slick ad on your uh, Facebook page. So, you know, uh, attack ads, are what we look forward to because it means we're winning Uh, and that we don't think we... uh, I can't stand this type of campaign that we see all the time where people... Uh, spend all of their time worrying about what their opponents are mm-hmm. going to say they're your opponents <laughs> right that's what they're yeah. supposed to do yeah. what I'm worried about is what the person who's uh, you know been in and out of recovery four times and what their family is saying I'm worried about uh, the person who's who can barely get to work because the roads in West Virginia are so disastrous that you're hitting a pothole mm-hmm. uh, you know <laughs> 14 times just to get to work every day that that's how we win the election is by living inside the day-to-day heroism of our people, not by sitting around trying to game out what our opponents are going to say about yeah. us.
0: I can guarantee you they're going to talk about your Harvard background, your years in Chicago. I could just see the ads coming down. All right, I could probably write those ads. Yeah. I've heard so many of them down through the years. Uh, do you think those ads are effective uh, when it comes to elections, or do you think it's part of what uh, alienates people from politics?
1: Well, both, right? I mean, there's two ways of doing politics. One says, let's shrink the electorate as much as possible. And then we get as few, we don't need as many voters if we shrink the electorate. And what's the easiest way to shrink the electorate? Yell about your opponent. Don't do any real organizing. uh, Drop all your money on TV uh, and piss enough people off that... Uh, You then uh, get an an electorate that's totally tuned out and uh, you have a situation like you have in West Virginia where a whole lot of people stay home. The other way of doing politics uh, is to be genuinely curious about the way things ought to be better, uh, to invite everyone you can imagine into the process of building that uh, vision and being totally clear about where you stand um, and who you stand with and who you stand against. And that way of doing politics takes more work. Uh, It's more unwieldy. And it's also the only way you ever get a government of the people, which is what we're fighting for.
0: You know, uh, West Virginia politics will pretty soon uh, have a more prominent uh, space uh, in the public sphere. Uh, Stephen Smith, there's a movie coming out. I uh, I saw it at a a, a film festival here in Chicago called Knock Down the House. And it's going to be on uh, Netflix if it isn't already. And there's about four women who ran in 2018. And one of the candidates is a woman who ran in the Democratic primary against Senator Joe Manchin. We just talked about him. Uh, Paula Jean Swearingen. And she ran, uh, I think she came in in about 40% of the vote. Uh, And I don't know if you're aware of this movie or her role in it. Um, Do you think that's going to help you? Having an elevated sense of the fight that's going on in West Virginia in the public's mind?
1: Um, You know, every now and then the national media gets excited about places like West Virginia and then it fades. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, you know, you could have said the same thing about the Michael Moore movie. You could have said the same thing about the teacher strike that uh, the rest of the country usually only cares about West Virginia so long as it uses it as a punching bag. And so, uh, no, we're not relying on the rest of the country and what they think to win the election we need in West Virginia. But we think there's things to learn from West Virginia. And that, that to us is the exciting thing is, you know, people who are struggling for a legitimate voice and power over their own existence exist everywhere, right? And they exist in the hollers of West Virginia. They li- exist in uh, downtown main streets in West Virginia. They exist in Chicago and DC and New York everywhere in America. There are people who are doing more work, working harder than they ever have for less. And as long as that's the case, as long as we are fighting each other, as long as we're blaming each other, the good old boys win. And, uh, To that end, we're excited to hear about and and get people excited about what's happening in West Virginia. But that's not so much the political class as the people who are fighting the same fights in other parts of the country as we're fighting in West Virginia.
0: Uh, What's your sense of where the Democratic Party is heading nationally with the presidential race? I presume most of your attention, obviously, is on West Virginia. But you have to be following to some degree what the, the national Democrats are doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, so there is the most defining fight in American history is who are we going to be, right? And one way that we can go, and we've always had this opportunity to go in America, is towards a corporate white nationalism, right? The other way we go sometimes in America is towards a multiracial, bottom-up claiming of the government for all. And That decision is being made everywhere in the United States right now. That's what makes being alive in this moment so thrilling is that the stakes are incredibly high and they're incredibly high in West Virginia, they're incredibly high at the national level, they're incredibly high in the Democratic Party, but this is the choice is, are we going to lean into the traditions of the mine workers in West Virginia uh, 100 years ago who lined up black, white, and immigrant in the bloodiest labor conflict in American history, because all they wanted was the right to organize, right? Are we gonna follow that strand of our history, or uh, are we going to go down this path of a a sort of corporate acquiescence and, um, you know, We're pretty clear which side we're on in West Virginia. And uh, we're excited to be a part of a movement that's happening around the country, around the world, that says uh, in the richest time in world history, and certainly the richest time in American history, we ought to have the best roads and schools and highest wages we've ever had. And the fact that we don't is a crime.
0: Stephen Smith is my guest. He's running for uh, governor in West Virginia. Obviously, he's a Democrat. Uh, Stephen, before I let you go, if anybody in our listening audience uh, wants to help out with your campaign or learn more about you or even go to West Virginia and knock on doors, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, You can
1: contact me directly, Stephen at wvcantwait.com, facebook.com. You can search for WVCantWait. You'll notice that uh, in a lot of our materials, what we're putting forward is the broader movement, which we call West Virginia Can't Wait. And that's the one that I am proud to be a part of. I'm not in charge of it. We've got 59 candidates up and down the ballot. We've got county and constituency teams. And so if you're interested in donating to one candidate who can solve all your problems, don't give us your money. Uh, But if you're interested in funding the kind of deep multiracial organizing that can win a people's government in places like West Virginia, That's what
0: we spend our money on. All right. Very good. That's Stephen Smith. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N Smith, S-M-I-T-H. He's the Democratic gubernatorial candidate in West Virginia. Stephen, thanks so much for stopping. by. I appreciate it.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me on.
0: All right. Very good. That's our bonus show for today.